from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Sometimes it is, it is inside the darkest places that we find the brightest light. However, the light is not always external. We have to ask what's wrong, you know, and ask the real meaningful questions, the real serious questions, um, and confront it head on. And a lot of times, because of the answers that we may be presented with, we're kind of shy of it. Um, and it would tell us that we're not as far off as a society as we would like to think. In these 22 years I've been here, I have become a a different person, the exact opposite person of who I was. When I get out, I, I want to help uh, people here to have uh, talent to be able to uh, get it out there to the world. Um, what I've learned while I was in prison is that we are so powerful. And I just don't want him to succumb to the idea or thought that he is irredeemable. Uh, we know that the truth is contrary to that, and I just want him to tap into the best of his humanity. I'm Emily Woodbury. Earlier this week, a crowd of more than 70 people gathered in the Legacy Bar and Grill on Del Mar to hear the poetry of Bobby Bostick. They heard his poems read by someone else. That's because Bobby is behind bars, where he's been since 1995. He's serving a 240-year sentence for a robbery he committed in St. Louis at the age of 16. He's now 43. When you pass away, what will you leave here? What words of yours? Will the people come to revere? The short life is only a brief segment. It is being in the womb of the universe before the hereafter was pregnant. We should all contribute something to this world before we go. Let our descendants learn from our lessons by flipping through our portfolios. Yeah, at one time, we could have been hell raisers. But hopefully, by the time we depart, we would turn into trailblazers. Understanding that the world is just not some big playground. So look around. There is serious work to be found. What will be the fulfillment of your life? Weigh the good and bad and see what's most right. A lot of people avoid this topic. To them, death is catastrophic. Either way, we will face death. What's important is the legacy of our mental and spiritual wealth. We must pass on our wisdom to the next generation. Our contribution to the world will be our demonstration. We all started off as impressionable boys and girls. When we die as adults, what will be our impression upon the world? Bobby Boston. That's Ronnie Amin, an organizer and mentor with the Freedom Community Center, reading Bobby Bostick's poem, When You Pass Away, What Will You Leave Here? That was during the Word Up open mic at Legacy Bar and Grill this Tuesday. Ronnie met Bobby in prison while Ronnie was serving his own 25-year sentence before his release on parole in 2018. And Ronnie joins me now. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming in today. Well, thank you for having me here. 
So I, I know this is a huge question to start off with, but yeah. what led you to be the one on stage earlier this week reading Bobby Bostick's work? Yeah, I, I would try to abridge it as best as I can. Um, so um, I frequent the open mic or poetry scene, and I was giving a ride to work um, a friend named Daisha, and she happens to uh, uh, curate uh, the word of open mic, and she asked me, um, do you know Bobby? And I said, yes, I know Bobby. And I told her how I knew Bobby. I met him in prison. And she said that she receives um, poems from Bobby, and she's been receiving poems like since 2020. And she said she wanted to have a, a showcase to highlight his creativity and his story. And she asked me, did I want to feature and read his poems? And I, of course, agreed. What was your experience reading that on stage? I mean. Um, well, for me, um, it is so satisfying. Um, it's just weird how small this world is, you know, uh, for her to ask me. But in the midst of it, um, in understanding uh, his story, understanding his journey and understanding that um, hopefully one day soon he will be amongst us. Um, I, I just felt privileged to share his artistry and his creativity and his insight um, with audiences in the world. Um, and I just feel like his story is a monumental one. And I, I'm just grateful that I am a part of the upside of it, the positive side of it. Was he writing when you two met? Um, I didn't know of him writing. Um, that doesn't mean that he wasn't. Um, I just didn't know um, of his level of uh, poetry and creativity. Um, he didn't know mine because when I knew him, I was writing. Um, but I was so pleased to learn that he was. And I was just so ecstatic that um, there's a possibility that not only would he join me in contributing to the upliftment of uh, our community once released, but he would join me in the artist artist community making contributions there as well. Mm -hmm. And when you mention it being a small world, are you referring in part to kind of that that you see in Bobby's work some of your own experience reflected back? Um, no, um, I, okay. I I expect that considering our journeys were parallel um, and our growth was as well. Um, small world in terms of our connection, our relationships, and so many people whom know him, know me, or um, vice versa. So it's crazy how this last week I've met a, a number of people who I just happen to know someone else, and it, and it allowed us to connect on a whole different level. So it's just a connectability um, in terms of the small world. And Bobby's family was at the open mic on yes, Tuesday. Yes. How was that? Did you get a uh, chance to talk with them after? Uh, yes, I did. Um, they had expressed um, appreciation uh, for us shining a light on his situation and um, just um, providing a positive light um, to um, his story. As we mentioned at the outset, Bobby Bostick is serving a 241-year sentence for a robbery he committed in St. Louis at the age of 16. This was in 1995. 
He was charged with multiple felonies for his part in an armed robbery he committed with another teen. Found guilty on 17 counts, Judge Evelyn Baker ordered that Bobby serve them consecutively for a total sentence of 241 years. And now Bobby is set to be released in November on parole. That's thanks to a 2021 state law that made it so offenders can be eligible for parole if they were convicted as a juvenile for a crime other than murder, as long as they've served 15 years in prison. In fact, Bobby's case inspired the law's sponsor, and in a few months, he will be the first inmate released because of this law. Um, At the time, the judge felt Bostick was not a likely candidate for rehabilitation. Her intent was for him to die in prison, she said. But she's had a change of heart seeing who Bobby is today. Here's Bobby reflecting on how he's changed. This is a 2018 interview with St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Littman from prison in Jefferson City. In these 22 years I've been here, I have become a, a different person, exact opposite person of who I was. I've changed because it's the lesson I learned that, that day when I was sentenced, it's a, it was a lifetime lesson for a person. It's something that you repeating your mind over and over again. It's something that you never forget. And from that day on, I was determined to to be something or somebody, even though I had all the time I had, I still wanted to do something with my life. So when I first came here, I got my GED. I changed knowing that I need my education. I just changed as a human being. I can't, sometimes it's hard to explain in words, but I just knew I had to do something different from what I was doing. Ronnie, I'm curious, what do you reflect on hearing Bobby in that clip? I hear my own story. I hear my own story. Um, it was the same for me when I was arrested and um, sub- subsequently um, sentenced. I I just knew that I didn't want that to be my lot. I just didn't want my life to end here. And just the reality of the situation began to crash down around me. And I began to understand um, the level of hurt and trauma that I put into the world. And I didn't want that to be my existence. So I wanted to work to make a a positive change, make a positive contribution. But I had to acknowledge my inadequacies. I had to acknowledge my dysfunctional thinking that had led me there. So I had to work to identify those um, cognitive distortions to be a better person. So, yes, I can identify exactly um, with um, Bobby Express, and we have we are so similar in that way. And what would you like people to know about what that pro- taking that process is like of taking accountability and doing that work? Um, it's it's so important to understand that as human beings, we are fallible. We make mistakes. We have poor judgments. We have thinking errors. And we have to extend grace to others, understanding that fact, and allow us to engage in a process in which we can acknowledge um, our missteps or the harms. Uh, we can take ownership in, in our agency in committing that harm, and we can uh, have space to try to repair um, or try to reconcile. Um, and just this is just humanity, but a lot of times, man, we... We hold people to harsh standards and don't allow them the opportunity to acknowledge their wrongs and try to make it right. And I'm so fortunate that um, although I don't agree with the judge's initial um, ruling and sentencing him to 241 years, 
um, she came to understand the error in that judgment. So hopefully um, we will learn from that and allow each other grace and uh, support people in their ability to take accountability for the wrongs they've done. We're talking with Ronnie Amin. He's an organizer and mentor with the Freedom Community Center. And we're talking to him about his recent performance of several of Bobby Bostick's poems at an open mic. And, you know, Bobby has been, he's become a real prolific author um, since his sentencing as a teenager. He's written 15 collections of poems and essays, seven of which his relatives transcribed and self-published on Amazon. And actually, our producer... Uh, Danny Wisentowski had the chance to ask Bobby about his writing on Thursday, yesterday, and about the importance of art in prison. Let's take a listen. When I first came to prison, I was 18. I had uh, wrote my ex-girlfriend a poem. That was my first time ever trying to write. And then that poem turned into two poems. And then um, in my early years in prison, I stayed in a lot of trouble. So I was in solitary confinement a lot. But while I was in solitary confinement, I just uh, challenged myself to write 10 poems a day. And then those poems, eventually, I turned those poems into books. And plus, I just wanted the world to understand, like, what goes on inside of prison from a prisoner's point of view. And also, um, people had a lot of stories about kids, why we, the way we are. And I was trying to intellectually explain that. So I just sat in my cell and read book after book. And um, after I read so many other books, I just decided to put my thoughts on paper. And that's where my books came from. And here, dreams can die hard because you don't have uh, no way to get that out there. You know, like our thoughts are only known to us and our families, right? Because we don't, we don't have a platform to get that out there. but. It's a lot of talent in here. Just raw talent. If people know how to, um, if people know how to package their talent and get it out there. I was able to do that through my books. Well, I would just want the world to know that there's people here that got a lot of gifts that, that we can do a lot with, and we can just get a platform to do it with. And when I get out, I, I want to help uh, people in here that have uh, talent to be able to uh, get it out there to the world. That's Bobby Bostick reflecting on how writing, poetry, and art have helped change his life. And our producer also asked Bobby to read a portion of his essay. This is The Redeeming Value of Art in Prison. Sometimes it is, it is inside the darkest places that we find the brightest light. However, the light is not, what, it's not always external. When the light comes from inside, it tends to shine for the whole world to see. This is why people are so amazed when they see the magnificent work of prison orders. Prison is raw, and this is why the prison artist leaves his soul on the canvas. Whether the prison artist is writing, doing music, or drawing, or painting, they always have to express themselves in a soulful, deepful manner. It is like they are trying to redeem themselves from their past. Prisoners tend to find atonement in their art. With limited resources, they find beauty in the ugliness that surrounds them. In the confines of prison, art represents redemption. Prison art screams out at you in many ways. It tells stories of longing, 
pain, need, wonder, beauty, and sometimes the divine. In creating such meaningful art, the prisoner finds meaning in their own life. This is how they redeem themselves. In many cases, their talent is all that they have to give. Locked away from the world with all its problems, the prison artist still sees so much beauty in the world because more than anyone else, he knows there's nothing like being free. For all of his flaws, the world is still a beautiful place. The world is still a beautiful place for all its loss. That's Bobby Bostick reading his essay, The Redeeming Value of Art in Prison. Ronnie, what there's so much to unpack there, but yes. what are what are you thinking about hearing him him read that? Well, I, I of course I agree wholeheartedly. Um, there's a number of things. Number one is that um, yes, uh, oftentimes um, people who are incarcerated utilize um, artistry, whether it's drawing or poetry or writing some other thing to process their own thoughts and feelings and to connect with their own humanity. Um, oftentimes being victims themselves of a world that did not acknowledge their humanity from the beginning. <clears throat> and now being subjected to conditions that do not acknowledge their humanity. Um, so they resort to um, expressing themselves or processing thoughts and feelings through uh, art and um, the, the, the crazy thing is that uh, prison itself, in terms of programs, don't encourage um, artistic expression. Um, there are so many spaces to house the inmates, but there are, letter, there are very little spaces to educate, um, to engage in programming that will help a person cultivate themselves um, or just explore their own humanity. Um, so it is... It is such a human triumph when someone, despite the odds and the conditions, resorts to um, creativity and artistry um, in a world that does not acknowledge their humanity. Do you think that speaks to what the goal of prisons is? Because, you know, we heard, you know, Bobby talk about how you know, creating, creating art, writing can be a huge step towards rehabilitation, you know, and you talked about doing the work, um, you know, to kind of, you know, change your own mindset while you were behind bars. It seems like, you know, bringing creativity, bringing art and programs to prison could be a real step towards rehabilitation. Yes, rehabilitation. And, and, and there was a time that it was, but over time it's become more about just housing and restrictive measures as opposed to allowing an individual to become empowered by his ability. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember while I was in prison, um, I was allowed the rare chance of um, creating and coordinating a literacy program in which um, we had writing contests, poetry contests, and speech contests all on positive, con I mean, positive content. And someone... Um, and the upper administrative levels had caught wind of what was allowed, and they told them to stop. Don't allow them to do that because it empowers them. Wow. We're supposed to be empowered. Um, we're supposed to be engaged in positive pursuits. But 
uh, they felt that this was not the place for us. So I think that it, it is reflective of the attitude and the conditions of prison today. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we're, we're talking about art behind bars, and this is such a large question, but you know, what What do you think is the importance for art behind bars, not just for the creator, but for people who are taking, you know, these creations in? Um, if I understand your uh, question correctly, um, I think that it, it would benefit, of course, the person. But um, so much of our our society and civilization is built on the expression through art and it allows people to to contribute to the advancement of our culture and our society and it allows us to um, just exchange with one another um, in very meaningful ways and then when you have someone who is a prisoner it allows them or someone who is incarcerated excuse me it allows us to to contribute and um, not be excluded from the greater uh, community. Um, and it allows us to be acknowledged for um, the good parts of ourselves as opposed to um, being subjected to this perpetual uh, shame cycle, you know. Um, so it empowers, it empowers us in a very um, realistic and good way um, and, and again, it allows us to connect with our humanity and our, uh, it acknowledges that we are part of, of this greater community. Now, Ronnie, you and Bobby were among many teenagers who were locked up yes. for a long time. And I'm curious, you know, behind this whole conversation is this idea that, you know, we have been locking up young children for Mm -hmm. a long time. Um, And we're starting to, I think, as a society, re-examine that. But I would love to hear from you about what we're losing, what we're missing as a society when we're taking these young men. Yes. Well, I think it's it's complex. Um, There are a number of different angles. Um, It's just crazy that here in America we often talk about being the land of the free um, and being foremost in supporting freedoms and establishing justice in the world and yet we uh, lock up more people excuse me we lock up more juveniles um, and especially a long sentences life um, than any other civilized industrialized country in the world that's crazy um, so some, there's something wrong with that picture. But then we also, we cannot have this discussion in a meaningful way if we don't talk about, talk about the dynamics of race. Um, and oftentimes, um, young boys of color, young girls of, of color, um, often make up uh, a greater uh, prison populations than uh, other demographics. So we have to ask what's wrong, you know, and ask the real meaningful questions, the real serious questions, um, and confront it head on. And a lot of times, because of the answers that we may be presented with, we're kind of shy of it. Um, and it would tell us that we're not as far off as a society as we would like to think. Um, So there are a number of things to unpack there, and it's very complex, but we have to be brave enough. We have to have the courage to have these kind of discussions 
and um, try to come up with remedies uh, to these problems because no child should be sentenced to long-term prison sentence. We know scientifically a child's cognitive development does not warrant being uh, punished as an adult. These are children, um, and we should present them with the opportunity to embrace their humanity, understand the harm that they've done, and, and create paths in which they can contribute to someone else's healing um, and, and reconciling that harm. Well, Bobby, who is 43 now, he will be released on parole in November. Yes. Are you planning to connect with him when he gets out? Um, if I do, I will first have to contact my parole officer uh, because it, it's against my um, parole to be uh, in contact with um, someone else who is on parole. Uh, so I will have to get an okay. Um, but if the okay um, is granted, of course, I would love to be there. I would love to work with him. Um, whether it is art or whether it is on social e issues or just the upliftment and contribute to um, our community. Um, he has so much wisdom. And if we're talking about addressing harm and crime in our community, it's best to tap into the resource of those who, who've committed harm. And we could... Uh, relate to these young men and women in, in a way that no one else can. There's no psychologist, no, no mental health uh, 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 a worker, um, no religious head can tap into these youth like we can. And we need to tap into this particular uh, demographic in order to make the type of change that we desire in our community. And I think that he will be definitely be an agent of change. And what are your hopes for him, particularly during this period of parole, which, you know, you just alluded to the fact that you can't even technically connect with him. Like being on parole is different than being free. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, there, are so, there are a number of restrictions and many of them, I believe, that are, are trip, I mean, are trip, <laughs> excuse me, are, they are necessary. And um, I think that he would have initially, um, he would just be happy to be free. And he would agree to whatever terms because it's different than prison. But as he is, um, the longer he's out, he would come to understand that much of the rules actually undermine um, a person's ability to successfully transition into the community. And I think that he would need some guidance in this particular era, I mean, area, so. What would you suggest for him? Or like, you know, specifically your hopes for him coming out, what do you hope, what do you see as success for him? I believe a success for him would be, and it's different than any. It's different for everybody else, so I don't want to impose my ideas of what success is. But um, I, I just want him to be able to live his wildest dreams. I would want him to achieve um, whatever it is that he has the ability to achieve. And I don't want him to succumb by the limitations imposed upon him by society, by the criminal justice system, or by others. Um, what I've learned while I was in prison is that we are so powerful. 
we have so much ability abilities to to enact positive change in our community and inspire others. And I believe that he has that ability to inspire change. And I just don't want him to succumb to the idea or thought that he is an an ex felon or he is a criminal or 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 as the judge sentenced. Um, the judge mentioned when she sentenced him somebody who is irredeemable. Uh, we know that the truth is contrary to that, and I just want him to tap into the best of his humanity. Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Ronnie Amin is an organizer and mentor with the Freedom Community Center. And earlier this week, Ronnie had the opportunity to perform the work of Bobby Bostick at an open mic. Bobby will be released on parole from the Algoa Correctional Center in November. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. Audio engineering by Avery Rogers. Podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.